Welcome to AJHP Voices, now comprising interviews on contemporary pharmacy issues and discussions with AJHP authors. The service was formerly known as AJHP Podcasts. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. This is William Zalmer, a contributing editor of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy, conducting an AJHP Voices conversation with the two lead authors of a journal paper entitled The Impact of Injectable Oncology Drug Shortages on Patient Care in the United States. This article is based on a survey that was conducted mid-March to mid-April 2013 of hospital pharmacy directors in the U.S. The lead author of the paper is Jennifer Goldsack, research associate, the Value Institute, Christiana Care Health System in Newark, Delaware. Also with me is Cynthia Riley, who is director, medication safety and quality division at the American Society of Health System Pharmacists. Jen, I'd like to ask you the first question. What led to the collaboration of a number of organizations that conducted this survey? Perhaps you can name the organizations and just comment on that point a bit, please. Sure, of course. This study was conducted by a collaboration between the Value Institute at Christianicare, the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, Fox Chase Cancer Center, and the University of Pennsylvania. And the reason the collaboration came about is because we recognized what an important issue this is, how broad the impact is. And it was really essential to us that we did our very best to wrap our arms around the problem as we devised the survey. So with that in mind, we brought to the table ASHP with their expertise, their knowledge of the pharmacists and what they experience. Fox Chase Cancer Center is one of very few hospitals that specialize exclusively in cancer treatment. Penn usually experienced in research. And then the Value Institute and Christiana Care is in the unique position of having research expertise in a regional medical center. So what we tried to do was, was look at the survey tool we devised to gather this information through all of the lenses necessary to get a, a, a really solid grasp on the impact and the issues right now. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a very smart approach. Why did you focus on injectable oncology drugs specifically? It's a great question. Obviously, there are drug shortages being experienced in several different realms right now. The reason that this is, is so important is because oftentimes in the world of cancer treatment, there aren't substitutes for injectable oncology drugs that may go on shortage. And so the impact of that from the patient's point of view And from the provider's point of view also, is that either the provider may have a patient in front of them, you know, or a family member may have a loved one for whom we know what the cure is for their cancer, and we simply can't get them the medication. And so to us, that was such a compelling reason to really try and understand exactly what's going on in order to have the best information to address the issue. Mm -hmm. Cindy, I know ASHP follows the broad issue of drug shortages very closely, And since we're having this conversation now in mid-January 2014, I wonder if you're prepared to comment a bit on what the experience was in 2013. Is there any evidence at all that we're moving toward a resolution of the broader problem? As you know, ASHP has been working on the issue of drug shortages for more than a decade. 
So we have a fair amount of data on the trends related to drug shortages. And fortunately, there is some good news to come out of 2013. In terms of the number of new shortages, it was down this year. There were 140 new shortages recorded from January through December 31st of 2013. That's down from our historical high that occurred in 2011, where we hit 267 new drug shortages. So that's really good news for practitioners as well as patients. However, it's important that we keep in mind the number of active shortages. Though there's only been 140 new shortages, there are currently 288 products that are in shortage that have been in shortage for an extended period of time. And unfortunately, that number has been steady at around 300 shortages, anywhere between 288 and 300 active shortages we have been tracking since mid-2012. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to the specific survey that was done here. Jen, what Uh, were the most important findings from your perspective? And I guess I'm also interested in what does this article add to the rather extensive body of literature on drug shortages? Sure, of course. The headline findings were that 98% of respondents are telling us that they are having to manage and deal with at least one oncology drug shortage at any given time. And I think that that's absolutely critical. It just shows how pervasive the problem is. Um, And what's particularly interesting to do is to cross-reference that number with a survey that the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association did in 2011. And 2011 is often touted as kind of the peak of the crisis, yet our number is exactly in agreement with that headline statistic from 2011. So we're not showing too much improvement in terms of what providers at the coalface are having to deal with and what they're having to manage. For example, we also found that 83% of providers are having to change treatment as a result of these shortages. And, you know, I think that that's incredibly important for us to know as we try and understand what information these providers need in order to to sort of manage this treatment and continue to provide the best therapies possible to cancer patients. You discuss in your paper the need for better information on managing shortages of oncology drugs. What do you mean exactly by better information? Well, firstly, I think the most important thing is what our paper did reveal is that we need to really commend hospital pharmacists for the lengths that they go to to try and mitigate the impact of these shortages. Part of the the issue that they deal with is a slight lack of information. And we're very broad when we talk about information. I think it comes in almost kind of three different parts. Firstly, there's information about the shortages themselves. We know that hospital pharmacists turn to the ASHP website, the FDA website, but oftentimes the information that they need about resolution dates, for example, may not be what they need. Um, We found that in two thirds of cases. The second kind of information that we speak about in these situations is guidelines and support for making allocation decisions at times when there are drugs on shortages and there are more patients requiring treatment then there is treatment available. So information, guidelines, support for making those decisions. And then finally, sort of comparative effectiveness and clinical data so that when substitutions have to be made in patient treatment, there's the information available to be able to do that as safely as possible and with the greatest possible efficacy. 
I know that uh, many hospital pharmacy departments have implemented some innovative waste reducing strategies to help conserve the supply of oncology drug products. Did your survey offer any insights into that aspect of what hospital pharmacists are engaged in? That's one of many, many ways that pharmacists are being incredibly uh, diligent and innovative um, to try and reduce the impact of these shortages. In terms of waste reducing strategies, many pharmacists reported in this study that we did that they are scheduling patients on similar regimens on the same day. That seems to be a strategy that's working well. It's reducing waste um, of shortage drugs without requiring regimen changes, which is phenomenal in terms of patient care. One thing we have to acknowledge is that there's a difficulty associated with strategies like these. For example, if part of that is using a larger vial for more than one patient, while that's a strategy that can provide much needed care you know, to patients that might not otherwise be available, there is a fine line between kind of managing shortages and actually running into difficulties in terms of billing for that treatment. And providers are really facing difficult decisions right now. And I, I, I think we need to support them in these initiatives and find ways to make sure that they are well supported in these decisions. Well, let's uh, step back for a moment and look at the, the broader issue of drug shortages, which has been nagging healthcare professionals for quite some time now. Cindy, given your in-depth engagement with this issue, what do you believe would be the most important action that could be taken to help resolve this issue? Well, unfortunately, there is no easy fix for drug shortages, but one of the things that we've seen that's been very positive in recent years um, is an increased sense of collaboration in terms of different organizations working together, the manufacturers working with the FDA, ASHP has been working with a number of other professional societies to help address this issue, as well as working with groups like the Value Institute to develop research that kind of keeps this in the public eye. So I think the collaboration is key because causes of drug shortages are multifactorial and the, the data that we're seeing with some of these shortages that extend for a long period of time do put a lot of emphasis on the manufacturers in terms of production challenges and quality issues. I think there's also some roles, roles here for practitioners. So it's really going to be a public and private sector effort to resolve it in terms of are there ways that we can look at buying practices such as if you have a drug that you use significantly that is vulnerable to shortage because maybe perhaps there aren't a lot of manufacturers, to look at establishing buying contracts that would allow you to obtain product from more, from more than one manufacturer. So that, in conjunction with some of the stuff we see with the FDA and the manufacturers really striving to improve their quality, I think will go a long way. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about the law that was passed in 2012, the Food and Drug Safety and Innovation Act, which deals with drug shortages, including a requirement for manufacturers to give early notice to the FDA about uh, anticipated shortages. Cindy, you, could you comment on, on where implementation of that law stands at the moment? Mm -hmm. Implementation of the Food and Drug Safety and Innovation Act of 2012 is actually still in progress. We haven't yet seen the full benefit that we're going to receive in terms of addressing drug shortages and minimizing them, but we are starting to see an impact in part because there are some manufacturers that are already voluntarily reporting, even though the FDA is still defining the how and the when and the why of reporting. But manufacturers are already starting to report this, and this is key 
because when the manufacturers do this, it really helps the FDA avert a shortage. So mm-hmm. in 2011, the FDA reports that by knowing in advance that a shortage may occur, they've averted 195 shortages in 2011. And mm-hmm. in 2013, they averted 282 shortages. That's the reason why we've seen the number of new shortages go down. Um, so I think there is a potential for more improvement there as the regulations go fully into effect in terms of the reporting requirements. Mm-hmm. Well, as we draw our conversation to a close, I'd like to ask you, Jen, uh, what priorities would you recommend for future research on the drug shortages problem? I think there's two main areas, Bill. Firstly, it's important to recognize that our study population of hospital pharmacists is incredibly important, but can't inform us about treatment given in clinics, doctor's offices, or in the home. And so we have a responsibility to better understand the impact on care delivered to patients in those settings. And so similar questions should be asked to providers in those settings to make sure we're truly um, truly understanding the impact uh, of these shortages at all levels so that our efforts to address them can be best targeted. And secondly, as I'd mentioned, again, this need for research on all indications of a cancer drug, comparative effectiveness research uh, to empower providers with the knowledge that they need to find safe and effective substitutes. Right. Cindy, anything to add on that point? I think in terms of research, it would be useful to continue to look at what the long-term impact on patient care is. Certainly, the data from this survey shows us that it's changing treatment regimens, and there has been a little bit of work in terms of what the sequelae are for that in terms of patient outcomes, but to continue to look at that because that's the type of information that really drives and really motivates individuals for change. We know it's having an impact. We've seen a lot of anecdotal reports of patient care impact, but that information really helps move us forward. Well, uh, Jennifer Goldsack and Cynthia Riley, thank you very much for taking uh, time out of your schedule to discuss with me some uh, broader aspects of your AJHP paper, which is entitled The Impact of Injectable Oncology Drug Shortages on Patient Care in the United States. Thanks very much. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org.